0: We really think European butter from France is the best butter. And our friend, the expert baker and best-selling cookbook author David Levovitz agrees. Check out our recent episode with David to find out how he cooks with quality butter. And for recipes, tips, and cooking advice, go to
1: tasteeurope.com. Before we get to today's show, I just want to say, welcome to Restaurant Critic Week. That is right. We are dedicating this week to diving into the much-debated, often-discussed, and thoroughly misunderstood world of restaurant criticism. In the past, we've welcomed critics on the show, including Ruth Royschel, Pete Wells, and Robert Sitsima. This week, we are welcoming three more from America's most exciting food cities. Who could they be? I'm not going to say now. But to start, here's my conversation with The New Yorker's Table for Two columnist, Hannah Goldfield.
0: Yeah, I think we're at, like the apotheosis of the celebrity chef and it feels like something's about to to change there. Yeah, I mean it's a kind of classic schedule. It's like the art is being made about this as the fall has started to to start, I think. Like we're I think we're sort of past that moment.
1: You're listening to the Taste podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Hannah Goldfield is the tables for two columnists for The New Yorker, and one of my favorite food writers around. I wanted to have Hannah back on the show to talk about her methodology in picking restaurants, some of her recent favorites, and honestly, we wanted to talk about that little movie called The Menu. I talk about it with her and producer Pat Stango, and we have a lot of thoughts. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hannah Goldfield, welcome back to the Taste Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. So excited.
1: So excited. I want to have you back time and again because you're <laughs> always fun to talk to. You're a fun follow on social and also just such a, a voice in food media, a clairvoyant voice. <laughs> um, you were you were like one of the first really dedicated restaurant critics for The New Yorker, for The Tables for Two column, which many of our listeners have been reading forever, you write some of the longest reviews in the magazine's history. And we talked about this in 2019 when you were first on the show. And I'm going to ask you again, how the hell do you pick the restaurants to review?
0: <laughs> um, it's really hard. That's, I think, maybe the hardest part of the job. Um, I mean, the writing the writing is hard too, but I, I I find that to be just like this constant puzzle. I'm sort of just kind of feeling it out because I, I, I feel— feel like i have this intuitive sense of texture that i'm trying to go for like i'm trying to spread it out in all different ways spread it out geographically spread it out in terms of um you know category of cuisine and price point um and and then also just trying to find places that feel somehow unique or important they're you know it's kind of like why this restaurant but also why this restaurant now. Mm-hmm. There's a news
1: year element. I think the best yeah. restaurant critics, you, you being one of them wells as well, there's always some kind of news angle. It feels like it's it's why now.
0: Yes, exactly. You're trying to tell the story of, you know, the city um through through restaurants and so yeah, I I I kind of drive myself crazy <laughs> <laughs> every week trying to figure out if I'm landing on the right mix and so, you know, I that happens through kind of a really, again, like just sort of intuitive research mm-hmm. project where I'm just trying to like keep track of everything that's opening, keep track of things that other people are covering, trying to decide if it makes sense to cover a place that, you know, another critic has covered or how, how much time has passed since the other critic covered it and just trying to make sure that – just trying try to think of, I guess, this kind of platonic ideal of mm-hmm. a reader who – Reads lots of things. I don't know. I'm just trying to just strike the exact right. It's
1: hard too because your publication, unlike like an eater, New York or the New York Times, your publication goes out to everybody. Yeah, and you have to say something that's obviously going to resonate with um, the Topeka reader, the Kalamazoo right. reader, who maybe isn't coming to New York this year. And their restaurant might not even be open the next time in New York, but you have they read you every right,
0: week. right? And and I want it, yeah, I just I want it to be an interesting story and to have some kind of literary merit so that it's interesting, yeah. kind of in a vacuum too for someone that's not mm. um, ever going to eat at the restaurant or, or as you say even come to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that that that's my favorite kind of feedback to get. That's when I know I'm I'm doing a yeah. good job. Is when I someone you know DMs me from Australia and says I've never been to New York. I'm probably n- never going to. Be in New York, or at least I, I won't be in New York anytime soon. But I love yeah reading your reviews. That's so cool. Yeah, it's great
1: feedback. Let's get into the nuts and bolts and the Google Cal invites of your job because you know the scheduling. Have, did you get an assistant?
0: I do not have an assistant. You didn't have it last time. You don't have it now. <laughs> nope. I don't B- think there's any budget for an no. assistant from uh, on the magazine or in my in my uh, in my own personal budget. Um, it's all it's all up to me. I'm trying to be really. Um, really stringent about using my Google Calendar, actually. I've gotten to the point where I'm, like, putting everything on my yeah, Google, Google Calendar. Yeah, Google Calendar's great. Now, it's
1: great. Yes, sponsored by Google, our, our <laughs> podcast. But I, I want to know, like, how do you keep it all straight in terms of, like, the booking of reservations and because like you don't want to dine at 5 all the time but right. like clearly it's impossible to book not at 5.
0: Right. Well, I can't dine at 5 actually right. because I have two small children yeah. and they they dine at 5 yeah. <laughs> in my home and right. I'm responsible for their for their dining. Um <laughs> so and my husband and I have kind of sorted it out where like he he stays at home with the with the kids when I go out. So I try to go out after they go to bed. So it's like yeah. a post seven o'clock situation. Um that's been really hard yeah. as as you, I'm sure you know, as a person as anyone yeah. in New York who tries to make reservations, mm-hmm. it's gotten harder than ever. So I have like a million resi notifies set at any given <laughs> moment. I also, you know, I go to a lot of places where you don't need a reservation. Like you don't need a reservation to go. To most places in like Flushing, for yeah. example, you need you know a lo- a big chunk of time to get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just I'm it, that's that's my other struggle is is figuring out the schedule and yeah. I, I And try your de- dinner
1: companions, you, you and can't, my dinner companions. You can't roll solo.
0: No, we never. shared
1: meals, and I, I appreciate yeah. the invite. I'm always open yeah. to, to hang with you. I
0: think people often. I, I'm I'm almost always inviting people at the very last minute and some people i think think that they're like oh like i'm the seventh down the line and (laughs) i'm like no 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 i just have only gotten this together today figured out i'm going to go to this place tonight can you come so i have a list of friends who are like who i just know are like you know can drop everything and are down to do that um but i'm also always trying to like Diversify that and just trying to loop in people from yeah. all corners of my life. And, um, you know, there are people who like know a lot about a certain kind of food or a certain part of the city. And so I try to be strategic. That's fun. And you get to meet people. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I've, ma- I have, I've definitely made new friends by inviting them.
1: Let's name to drop dinner. a celebrity. There's got to be somebody. It could be a media celebrity. It could be a Brooklyn celebrity. But who's, who's, who
0: I've taken to dinner. Yeah.
1: Let's, I mean, Remnick probably has had one meal.
0: He, I don't think I've ever gone out. Meet okay. with him? Have I? I? I I think he's joked about wanting to come. Yeah. Maybe he's not joking, but I'm like, I can't go out to dinner with my boss yeah. like, while I'm on. the— It's a little
1: crazy. He's pretty public. It and would you be. Don't want, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. But I should. I, I I would. I would love to. Okay. We've, had, we've had lunch actually, but not for. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Not for official purposes. What about
1: what about the real I'm like, trying
0: to think. Is there? Have side. I? Got, um. I mean, mostly I just go with like the same couple of friends. Yeah. I, I'm truly racking my brain to think of yeah. anybody. I put
1: you on the spot, and also it's a tough, it's a cringy question. <laughs> no,
0: I, I, I like the question, <laughs> but um, maybe right. I'll maybe we'll come I'll back think to it. Of, yeah, think yeah, let, it. let's come back to it. But I'll um, think of someone.
1: The deadline. Let's talk about that. I've had yeah. Wells on, I've had I've had Bill Addison on. I've had great critics in our country on, and it's always a question about the deadline because it's ruthless. It is a like it's a weekly deadline to write about a restaurant how do you handle that
0: I think I sort of thrive in the structure um I think that if I didn't have a weekly deadline I would maybe never write anything so it's a lot of pressure and it's it's a breakneck it's just like yeah it's a lot but I also I find that like the rhythm of it is kind of propulsive for me so Mm -hmm. um and and like and the fact if I had to write like a a totally different format every week, I would absolutely lose my mind. But because it's like a rubric, because I'm sticking to the same kind of boundaries, um, I think it's like the only writing I could do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, right now, this is you're in the column brain. I'm sure your future career when you stop writing about restaurants will- open you up to a lot of different formats totally yeah yeah,
0: but and 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 hopefully i'll i'll because i yeah i don't think i I mean who knows i guess i could do this forever but it seems (laughs) like it would be a little a little hard on the body um, yeah uh for and for and and various other and and the mind i guess but you have
1: you know you were at tea you you have a history you're not just a food writer i mean you certainly have other interests for sure
0: yeah i mean i've always been obsessed with food i think i'll always i'll always be professionally interested in food um, but yeah but i but i hope i'll be able to figure out how to write uh, yeah. other form and and i have written longer form stuff but i actually yeah. do kind of like it's the the deadline is rough but but because it's these kind of smaller things it feels generally manageable. (laughs) How close have you gotten to
1: missing the print deadline? Because you know you have a hard print deadline, which is the the tricky part. It's not like online where you can kind of fudge a little bit. Like you things are being printed in like Arkansas or whatever. Yeah.
0: I've never I've never come I've never like held up the process. I've definitely (laughs) like my editor, I have a great editor who's like so understanding and gives me kind of a wide berth. And so Mm -hmm. one of my goals this year is to actually meet the deadlines that that she that she gives me that we kind of decide on together. But we both know that there's a Mm -hmm. big wiggle room within that. And I've never like pushed it to the, I'm, I often miss the our official deadline, but oh. I've never pushed it to the point where like ah. where anyone is. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm realizing like, yeah, deadline. she does. I don't even know if like, yeah, I, I guess that's, I guess we, it's probably more intentional I think all editors know that a I fake realized. out deadline. Oh yeah. I'm just, that's the kind of person I am. Like if you want me to be somewhere at four o'clock, yeah. tell me to be there at 3.30 and I'll be there at 3.59. You know, yeah, like yeah. I just think it makes a lot of sense.
1: I want to get into some of your recent columns. Um, Great sicko I'm calling it sicko Psycho. I, th- I think I think uh, Tammy Declamarian called it sicko when we were on Oh, we were really? but I think it's called Psycho. I
0: think they pronounce it Psycho. I don't know if that's intentional. I was thinking, oh, they should have called it Circo. But yeah. then someone, a friend who is a um Korean speaker told me that that the word Psycho is actually like the English word Psycho is actually used mm. a lot by koreans like in what when speaking korea colloquialism yeah yeah, so maybe it's intentional i i don't think so but i should have asked because it's come up a lot it's 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 a
1: really cool idea i've not been i I feel really shameful that i have not made it out there but it's a syrian and korean restaurant two families joined together what a great story but let's talk about the food what's happening it's great
0: i love it um i i really i appreciate the fact that he just kind of like smashed it t- together yeah, um literally I yeah, yeah I yeah I I interviewed um this guy Mazen who's kind of the he's I mean it's yeah he's he owns the restaurant with his sister and her husband who is Korean American and then also their their brother um but he's kind of like the face of the of the restaurant and he's the the like main chef um and 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 I thought it was fascinating that he told me you know he so he is Born and raised in Syria, had a restaurant there. Um, came to the states a few years ago, and then his sister started dating this Korean American guy, and that was how he was introduced to Korean food, and he was so like taken with mm. it immediately. Um, and they started cooking it together. And then he said he experimented with with sort of fusion, and it just didn't didn't work. He was saying, uh, I did this didn't make it into the piece, but I think he was saying that like. The sesame oil that that is so prevalent in Korean food didn't feel like a fit for Syrian food, yeah. um, and so he decided, like, I'll just I'll just make both, um, and just present them together and somehow it works um, yeah
1: left menu right menu setup is, is yeah. so special yeah
0: and, and you don't see that that much although no. I really liked that Tammy compared and this was actually in a version of the piece that got cut for yeah. space but I did cite the fact that she described it as like a, a combination Taco Bell and Pizza Hut but um, but Korean and and Syrian
1: I'm not sure the order of the interviews but literally heems from Dust Races is following you oh that's so funny that of song, course literally. that is so funny so you'll meet him in the lobby that. if he's downstairs oh
0: my god amazing I,
1: I i want to make it out there and try both sides of the menu yeah. um another restaurant that i think is getting a lot of press i have not been i've lunch there next week is SP. Oh, and yeah. p let's talk about that that
0: place is so dear to my heart i i love that i think i i think i called that my favorite restaurant opening of of 2022 and if i didn't Say that in print somewhere. I, that is how I feel. That's so cool. Yeah, I just I I, I mean I love those guys. I've yeah. I've just been a hardcore Court Street Grocers fan from the very beginning. I used to live right by the original one, and I would go there like mm-hmm. multiple times a week. I've heard it's really hard to get a sandwich there now on a weekday which yeah. is so funny i used to everyone... live in the neighborhood as well and, yeah. and
1: it's it's a tricky order to
0: well get a but you there. used to be able to like in the early days oh, you yeah. just walk in and get a sandwich but now i think because everyone's working from home it's you have to wait like hours it apparently. lines up yeah, definitely yeah, I've heard. Which is, but like it's justified but anyway so i i think those guys are great i really like high high room mm-hmm. when i found out they had bought eisenberg's i was really excited because i think they just have such good instincts and yeah. taste um But I thought for sure that they were going to kind of like translate it to today in some way. Like I thought they were going to find some kind of hot young chef – and like keep the space kind of retro cuz high high room is sort of like retro inspired yeah. it's very like cheeky it's all sort of
1: i think it's like point of view like yeah. high has a vision it feels totally. like it's like kind of like that that severance like it's like modern yes. and future at the same time yes. or, or modern and past and future all at the same <laughs> exactly.
0: time exactly so so i assume that they were going to do something like that at eisenbergs and by the way i loved i've always loved eisenbergs it's the the food was never like oh my gosh incredible but it was good it was and fine. it just felt like this old school new york loved American it I loved going there
1: in the flat iron. Yeah. It was such a great, like, lunch breakfast meeting place. Totally.
0: And just so, like, inviting and yeah. kind of homey, and just mm. felt like from this era that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I was just, like, beyond thrilled and moved to go to SP and realize that what, in fact, that they have done is just preserve it and make it somehow, like, more itself. Like, they just did such a, like, deft kind of edit to it and they didn't really add anything they just sort of honed it
1: and the space is like a one-of-one in new york yes very few counters that re-exist especially jewish ashkenazi style counters exactly
0: and they literally like the literal counter is the original counter yeah um it's like 40 feet long or something and they did a bunch of like they they kind of cleaned it up but you you can't really tell like i had such funny conversations with them about how people um you know, they they it just matches people's memories of it, even yeah. when the memories aren't real. So people will say like, "Thank God you kept this," and they're like, "Uh huh." And it's like uh-huh. something that they, you know, like new stools or whatever, and they're like the stools look exactly the same, or they are or, or the food has changed, and people are like, "This pastrami is exactly as I remembered it," and they're like, "Well, we get the pastrami from a totally different supplier, and we use different bread, but it's like the point is is that they've managed to nail that."
1: It's funny how taste memories are are. Fun- Through time, right? Like, oh, that's the same. You're like, no, it's actually the the last one was maybe Cisco, right?
0: (laughs) But all that matters is that it lines up with your idea of what it was and gives you that warm and and fuzzy feeling. And um, and that place just really does it for me. And the food is good because it's their, they're like, they they have this obsessive kind of system for like figuring out what the best ingredients Mm -hmm. are for really simple things but not and it's so not about what's the fanciest or what's even like the objectively like is that you know or is this canned tuna better than this canned tuna that's not really the question it's what tastes best in combination with the mayo and whatever that like creates the perfect tuna sandwich and i just really admire their
1: can't wait to visit dedication yeah you gotta go what's uh where have you been this week what have, you been, what have you been hitting up? So
0: this week, so I went to Urban Hawker. Um, I went to Lords, which I'm yeah. writing about. Fish and chips. Uh, Dame is fish and chips. Oh, Lords sorry. is like their nose to tail. Oh, nose to
1: tail fish they're, and chips their guys. Their
0: sophomore effort.
1: Truly, the the it restaurant group of the 22nd century. Yes, degree. totally. Those they're guys. they're
0: hot right now. Hot. Um. So I went there. Where else? Have I been? I'm. I'm like my my short-term memory is really shot. Last weekend, or was it two weekends ago? I went to Queens three times. I was really proud of myself. (laughs) Um, And I went. I'm writing about the piece that's coming out this week is about egg holic. Which is an Indian egg restaurant in Floral Park, Queens, which is, I think, the farthest I've been yeah. in Queens. It's like almost Long Island.
1: Love that name. Yeah, Eggholic, yeah. yeah. So I
0: learned that was, th- this was a piece that was so much fun to write because I learned so much yep. about Indian food that I didn't know. Um, And the the history of the egg in Indian food is actually super fascinating. Um, And so, yeah, so it's a totally egg-themed restaurant where they just have, like, dozens of egg dishes, which is not a thing that I think most people in the States associate with Don't associate with, like,
1: Punjabi cuisine or Carolyn cuisine. But it's a big
0: deal in India. Um, And and it's this franchise um, that's all over the country. and. Canada and then I learned that there's a rival franchise called Eggmania. <laughs> oh wow. And it was just like, yeah, opening up this whole uh this thing that I just had no That's what idea. I love about your
1: style because I think you really know how to nail uh the big picture with your columns. Thank you. Yeah, it's really a uh, really a skill. Hannah, what what has been the fanciest meal you've ever ever had?
0: So I went to Le Bernardin for the first time recently, which is pretty pretty fancy. I feel mm-hmm. like that's just like objectively like, yeah. you know, the the apex of of fine dining um, in New York. Um, and then I was thinking, I I there like when was this in twenty thirteen Maybe maybe even I think it was twenty thirteen. There was this project I wrote about it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like someone was bringing together like chefs. In different cities and having them do these kind of pop up dinners and um, it was
1: probably like San Pellegrino. Yeah, exactly. yeah. They always did that shit. Yeah, it, it, m- like... it
0: probably was. Now yeah. that I think about it, yeah. but um, Grant, Grant akats I yeah. can never pronounce his name correctly. Yep. He came and did. It was maybe with Alex Stupak. Cool, and they did this like twelve course tasting menu. Where was it? I can't remember what restaurant it was at. Maybe it was at an Alex Stupak restaurant. Mm. And not only was it, like, fancy and formal, but it was just the most elaborate meal Mm -hmm. I think I've ever had. Like, I remember, like, getting to, like, the eighth course or something and and feeling like, oh, my God, I'm, like, a prisoner. Like, this is, like, like I'm being fattened for the slaughter. Like, it was just too much. And it was so – everything was so beautiful and carefully done, but it was just, like, an excess that I was – Maybe not your vibe. Also – Not my vibe. Also –
1: Teasing of a, a topic to be discussed later. Yes. Prisoner at a yes, fine dining Yes, exactly. Well, uh, yes. We'll get to that. Yeah. But um, Bachelor Bernadette. Yeah. Did, were you, did they know you, who you were?
0: Yeah. So so in this case, it's really hard to make a reservation yeah. at the Bernadette. It's hard to make reservations anywhere. Yeah. But, um, makes your job,
1: like, very difficult. Yes. Respect. respect yeah. It's it.
0: really – and I try not to make reservations um, – under my own name I try to just go for the most part as yeah. you know just an anonymous diner um in this case I I wanted to go because what well, was the 50th anniversary mm. And I kind of wanted to take stock of it a, a little bit. But but I wanted there to be – I mean, I could have totally written a column where I just re- reviewed Liberty Dead. But, but um, as you know, because it's not so far from the office, mm-hmm. um, there's this new cafe called Mie Pierre yeah. that has Eric Repair's name on it. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Like, so many interesting things happening in Midtown. So I kind of wanted to review that place, which is sort of what I ended up doing. I kind of ended up writing a column just about, like – midtown I, did I you say. is it
1: published yet yes it was, it it, was Yeah, it was, a, it was yeah. a few
0: weeks ago um or like at the end of last yeah. year uh but anyway i felt like well i've never been to la bernardine I, I i've been there when, when i was a freelancer or an editor maybe i'd gone just like some press events there but i never had just yeah. i'd never just gone for a meal so i went for lunch by myself and i did make the reservation through the the publicist mm-hmm. um, so they knew that i was there yeah. i sort of feel like that's the kind of place that would figure out who you were <laughs> likely anyway <laughs> absolutely, likely. but yeah they fully they fully knew who i was um but i wasn't it wasn't like a proper yeah and you, you can't
1: switch a restaurant like for one person I mean, no uh, and we've that's been well written about criticism you know the in- anonymity is right. not essential to the job
0: right not anymore uh, yeah. not
1: anymore uh i love that meal i love la and so much I yeah can, i've been several times in I love it. I just think it's the place I want to splurge.
0: Yeah, the most. It's 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 iconic. It really feels yeah. like. Yeah.
1: Did you get to hang with Pierre? Did you meet that guy? I
0: I saw he kept he was bopping in and out of the cafe. I went there a few times and he was kind of always there. He's He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. I got to very, spend some time
1: with him. He's cool. yeah, 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 yeah. It's
0: it's a funny place. I can't I can't quite. I'm I I'll be interested to see if it evolves at all. I can't quite put my finger on on what it is or what it's trying to do but it's interesting
1: yeah it's it's midtown needed it i think like it's it's definitely a comment on on midtown and and what office workers and tourists because this is becoming more of a tourist center i mean we're at 56 in broadway where we record and where i work and where we i mean our hq and like it's Increasingly becoming more for not New Yorkers. Yeah. Because of the offices have cleared out. Right, right,
0: you know? right, right, right. And that's like totally encapsulated by Rock Center and Rock Center. what's going on there. Yeah, it's definitely Midtown is having like a real identity <laughs> crisis in a good way. I think it's like everyone's figuring out yeah. what it is. I've always loved Midtown, so I'm, I'm. I'm happy to be Me watching too. what's going on. Yeah, Midtown's It sounds like it a feels great like
1: departure from where Brooklyn, you know. Yeah,
0: and it just feels like so essentially New York. I've always been a staunch defender of Midtown. Like I just feel like it's, like it's like it's the real deal and you can hate it and think it's oh, yeah. like ugly and stupid or whatever. But this is New York. <laughs> Sneaky great
1: coffee neighborhood too. Yeah. Midtown's oh, yeah. got some spots. Um,
0: where was it that I used to uh, uh, culture oh. espresso? Great 36th coffee. and 38th Street, yep. the best chocolate chip best cookies chocolate in cookie. New York City. Still, as you think that's still true, it definitely was true, like, when I went there all the time 10 years ago. I mean,
1: Probably, you, want, yeah. you want to go on a crawl?
0: <laughs> Maybe we should. That's a good idea. That,
1: that one not-to-be-mentioned place that always gets written about, I just can't.
0: The You know, La Mie Pierre, I thought their chocolate chip cookies were really, chocolate chip cookie. really good and different, like, really unique. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's go. I yeah, love it. I would love that. Let me ask you, if you could go back in time to any era of New York City dining and just go back for like a weekend with like a notebook <laughs> and an empty stomach and be able to like really absorb you know what is happening and and write about it Where, like what era would that be
0: ah that's a really good question um i think it would it would be like either like the 20 like sometime in the first half of the 20th century, so, like the 1920s or the mm-hmm. 50s like the automat era i feel like cool. that would have like i'd love to like go to like the like the original horn and hard art is that what it's called yeah cool. and and see what what that was like or or go to like um in the 20s or turn of the century like Lundy's, which is that that place in sheep's head bay or like the original gage and Tol- tolner yeah. that sort of like Lavish, kind of like I'd love to know what it was like to go to an oyster bar in that era. But but that's also because I would just want to see what New York in general, not even beyond the the dining, just like what the city felt like.
1: I would I love that era. I would love to eat Japanese food in 1950. Yeah, some of those early Japanese restaurants. Yes,
0: I'd be so curious to see what Asian restaurants were like across the board in in the earlier part of the 20th century because it must have been such a different thing.
1: Oh, I I I feel like New York in the, through through generations through eras it like turns over every like five years. Yeah, I feel like every five years there's a new something to write about. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Um, should we talk about the menu?
0: Yeah,
1: I feel like we should talk about the menu. I'm 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 thinking. Well, first let's talk about cookbooks, and then we'll get to the interview. Okay. I'm I'm prepping you, Pat. You ready? You warmed up? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. Good. We got Pat Stango here, our producer and and film uh, critic in his own right. I love I love hearing about your take on on films.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, yeah. we'll look at cookbooks. Keep talking about yeah. cookbooks, and then then I'm ready. Then I'm jumping in.
1: All right, we'll go to cookbooks. I mean, what's your what's your style? Like, what in terms of in terms of your cooking, and like, what kind of cookbooks do you connect with?
0: Really good question. I love cookbooks. I'm like, I, I mean, it's become such a cliche to say like, oh, I read cookbooks, you know, in yeah. bed. But it's true. I do like if I get a new cookbook, I'll take it to bed with me and read it before I fall asleep. That's great. Um, yeah. Love I, that. what's my style? I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of an omnivore when it comes to cookbooks. I just find them so like fascinating as kind of like historical documents. Um, my cooking life is so weird right now. Uh i you know i'm eating out as much as i possibly can and then i'm cooking for two really little kids one mm-hmm. one is will be four in the spring and one is like almost 18 months um and i try i wrote about this actually i wrote an essay about trying to cook for, for my family and not wanting to make lots of meals i read that um yeah i, lo- I loved it thank, thank you it was really fun it was really fun, was really fun to write okay yeah. awesome um we try to have family dinner when I'm not going out or even if I am going out, I try to sit with the kids mm-hmm. when they're eating. Um, anyway, it's like kids are just it's, – it's totally fascinating. I think parenting is like – it's like conducting a science experiment. It's amazing to watch these little people change so quickly and eating is so weird. It's like they – Truly, are just so mercurial about mm-hmm. food. One week they're like wanting to try, I mean, they're different ages, but one week they're wanting to try something, and the next week they're like, My son keeps saying things are disgusting. And I'm like, How do you even know that <gasps> word? Yeah, that <laughs> word. Get it out of your mouth. And it's things that are like objectively not disgusting. Like, yeah. this is delicious. I, this what is, is one like... thing
1: that they said was disgusting? He, that you're like, Oh my
0: gosh. I made no offense to whoever's recipe this was <laughs> in the Times. I thought it was great. It was like an, uh, an orzo and butternut squash, like, sort of like risotto inspired dish but with orzo it was so good and my son was like this is disgusting well yeah <laughs> I was like, how dare you yeah they are mature <laughs> little guys aren't they yeah they just yeah. like but it's not their it's just like their brain their brains yeah. are changing and their their tongues are probably changing anyway so um so yeah i'm like i'm at i'm kind of at their behest um but I do try to cook from cookbooks yeah. nonetheless. I'm doing – like baking is a kind of a safe space because, yeah. you know, you can bake – like s- kids – my kids at least will eat anything they'll sweet. They'll lick the spoons at least. They'll lick the spoons, but they'll also yeah. – like they're if it's cake or cookies, yeah. they're eating it unless it's something like really yeah. like strong flavored. But even like I made like a cardamom uh, sour cream – pound cake from melissa clark's mm-hmm. newest i think yeah. cookbook, the dinner, di- and, dinner one. and one yeah. yeah that cake is so good it's a
1: great i, I think i've made that it sounds oh, it's so familiar it's yeah. amazing
0: i yeah. i want to make it like every week and the cardamom flavor is strong and the kids yeah. the kids loved it um so so yeah I, I do a lot of baking um and then what are the other cookbooks i've been excited about recently i mean i wrote the book the the book that kind of inspired that essay was ali slagel's mm-hmm book um called i I Uh, dream of dinner so you don't have to which was great and and i first i thought the title was kind of silly but it's so accurate (laughs) it's exactly right and i find it super charming um and you know i just got deb perlman's newest book which seems great i haven't have I made something from it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm really into dinner cookbooks. I guess that's yeah. that's my thing. It's it's dinner a great wine. it's a great
1: time to cook. Yeah, you know, absolutely. especially when you're writing during the day. And... Yes,
0: but I look forward to getting yeah. to a point where I can like cook. You know, from um, Fuchsia Dunlop's book, or like my kids aren't yeah. super into spicy food right now, so I'm not like diving into. Cooking Sichuan at home or anything, but someday soon I'll enough get they'll back be to that and you yeah. will
1: teach them how to cook there for sure. All right, let's talk about the menu. Yes. We're going to go around. I'm introducing Pat Stengar, producer, host of the Bo Boys, one of my favorite movie podcasts around.
2: Pat. Oh, thank you. And the Taste solicitors, they just must be blown away now that <laughs> the whole time the producer of Taste has been one of the Bo Boys. Yeah, they're like, true. wow,
1: what a what a like behind the scenes treasure you have there. Yeah, um, Pat, I want to start with you. Let's. What's your take on the menu? In terms of what what did you take away that really stuck with you from that film?
2: So I mean, I I really liked it. Uh, you know, on the Bo Boys, we talk about box office, and this movie was a hit, which was great. It made like thirty eight million domestic, and it, I like that it was just a it wasn't a superhero movie, but it also wasn't a small art house film. It was just an old fashioned movie stars in a solid premise movie, and it executed it really well. You know, and it it just is what you saw in the trailer, that it is mm-hmm. rich people going to a remote island and they're going to be something bad is going to happen. That's really what it was, but they just did it really well. I mean, I love the performances. I thought Ray Fiennes as the chef was great, Anya Taylor-Joy as the hero, and then Nicholas Holt. What a what a good looking yeah. goof that guy is. Yeah,
1: really. Um, I, I loved him in the Great, and very different from the Great. Mm-hmm. And Hannah, I want to ask you, uh, from your point of view, um, what did you take away? What hit you the hardest? Because it definitely hit me pretty hard in some ways.
0: Yeah, I I I kind of loved it too. Um... I thought that it was deeply flawed in some ways, but just the central premise and we're we're is there a spoiler spoiler alert? Let's go spoiler alert.
1: We're going to talk about all the spoilers. Okay, yeah, yeah, because it's kind of hard to talk about it without giving
0: it away. So so I I would say that the central premise is that, like, the logical conclusion of fine dining is that. Hmm. The staff is going to kill themselves and you. (laughs) And I think that that's so funny because it it is like the stakes get so high or at least that's like sort of the the message that um, is, is portrayed in some of these scenarios. And it's like that meal I was talking about. Um, earlier, I thought of that of that meal, which, again, no one, no one was trying to kill me, but I did, like, yeah. you do reach a point of, of excess and this, uh, you know, this attempt at perfectionism that just feels, starts to feel like a nightmare and a joke. And that's yeah. kind of, I just thought that the movie, like, n- hit upon that yeah. so uh, perfectly.
1: The way that the stodges the CDC, the executive chef, and then the head chef would all sacrifice their life yeah. for the greater good of the restaurant and having this yes. final closing night. We will talk about Nicholas Holt's character, because that, that triggered me the most. Um, I think that that was kind of like a version of food writer foodie. But there's also a, specifically a critic yeah. sitting in the room. Lillian Bloom is the name of the character played by Janet McTeer. Great, great actress. Yeah. And her editor, Ted, sits across from her. Did you recognize that dynamic, that character at all? I mean, uh-huh. not, not for you, because I know you're not. Yeah. For, but did you recognize it? Maybe other past critics.
0: I think so. I mean, it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a caricature for sure. She seemed horrible. Is it? Is <laughs> I think it? So maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that kind of pretension and that kind of like, you know, like everything's sort of beneath, like the she, everything's kind of beneath her. She's she's there's a smugness there and a confidence that you have to have as a critic. I thought I thought it was pretty accurate. I thought it was funny that. That she was supposed to work for Sever, which is a magazine that doesn't really exist.
1: Yeah, that was a weird um inaccuracy. They should, yeah, because that's
0: not a magazine that ever really. I mean, they, they've written about restaurants, right? But it's not like it. I feel like she should have been the critic but, for like a newspaper. Or something. Right.
1: It, it, that was a weird that they actually went with a specific publication that doesn't really do that. Type yeah. Of formal writing. Yeah, they, could, they
0: should have made up a yeah a, the name of a magazine or something. Um.
1: Ted it, did look like Osland a little bit, so yeah.
0: No.
1: Just <laughs> kidding, I love James uh, Shout out to James. <laughs>
0: um, but I don't. Know. I, I thought that that character was one of the least interesting. Yeah. I guess maybe it's because it's too close well, to home well. for me. But I thought the other, the other characters were were much more interesting. Yeah. Uh, ways to look at at this world.
1: Well, I'll I'll get to you, Pat, because I want to get your take on 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 the the critic character. But I, I have to talk about Nicholas Holt a little bit because for me. I think they nailed it with some of the obsessions he had in the room, like Bergamot and Paco Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a time in my life where I talk to a chef about their Paco Jet. (laughs) Like, I literally (laughs) talk to a chef about, like, or do you have a Paco? Can I get a Paco Jet for... So the fact that, like, a quote-unquote civilian or food fan or serious eats fan or taste fan would walk into uh, a restaurant and, like, talk about the Paco Jet.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, this, this, this kind of, like he he was like a fuck boy for 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 food and mm-hmm. that's a real uh really that's a real thing
0: yeah it's a real thing yeah he felt very familiar to me so cringy so like yeah. such a geek and like it, yeah it, just so much secondhand embarrassment there but there are people who do it's like i d- it does he he kind of compares himself to a sports fan right is that yeah. or yeah like you know that's yeah this is his like super bowl or whatever yeah. um and yeah, it's hard not to like just totally want to look away.
1: But it's so <laughs> when, accurate. It's and, so accurate. And Bergamot is a cool choice because they picked something that wasn't like tied to a specific region of the world. Right. I Bergamot is available throughout the world and right. but it's a flavor that's hard to pinpoint. I just right. think that's like the skill of the screenwriter. Yeah. Uh picking that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of accuracy definitely. there. I, I I I think that they definitely like hit the hit those marks. Uh, really well. Pat,
2: so is this a good movie? Oh, this is a very good movie. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a good old-fashioned movie. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like a, a movie that in the 80s or 90s, Richard Gere mm. would have just mm-hmm. eaten up this kind of movie. Um, I loved to we talk about Nicholas Holt. This is sort of a a bit of a horror movie. You know, it's like mixed genre, comedy horror. To me, the most horrific scene in the movie was the sequence in which uh, Nicholas Holt finally had a cook.
0: <laughs> oh, and yeah. the super fan oh had God. to cook. Yeah.
2: I was so not scared for him, but it was the hardest scene to watch because he was just it was it was a horrific torture on the level of like a saw movie torture, just him having to stumble through the kitchen.
0: Totally painful, truly painful. Yeah. And he played it so well. Like he his character, his he totally transformed. Well, like,
2: he he picked
1: like I think the whole point was that he picked the most cliche like he picked like a lamb saddle and right. put, used like brown butter and used like very traditional french herbs in it and i think that's the commentary from the chef is that you're just a cliche right. you think you know about food but when given the pressure you pick the most cliche right. item on the menu that you could possibly right. make right
0: and also he's shaking and he can't he can't chop the onion and like the actual image of the dish is so funny it's like yeah. leeks just half chopped and yeah that that i thought was oh, like and
2: Ray- finds commentary during it oh, my oh God. so you're gonna you're yeah. not gonna cook both sides interesting <laughs> interesting interesting <laughs> and then and,
1: and you know i got a dominique Kren did uh, did the food styling and and, oh. and did a lot of the the consulting on it yeah. so yeah uh, they
0: they they went for it it was like the real deal some like the dishes that were supposed to look like a dish that you would get at you know i felt like there were a bunch of restaurants that this restaurant was supposed to be an amalgama- amalgamation yeah. of you know noma and willow's inn and hmm. wherever else um the ones that looked like they were supposed to look like they really. Yeah. They like I, one of my favorite scenes is the, the the egg dish that's presented to the. There's a scene which these the men are forced to, you know, be chased by. Yeah. <laughs> it's so absurd. Anyway, one of them gets presented with this egg dish that just looks exactly like something you would have at Le Absolutely. Or, or, or Noma. Yeah, yeah or, exactly.
2: Or geranium. Yeah. So yeah. I have a question for you guys because I feel like this. Type of movie, if it was in the 80s or 90s, the Ray Fiennes character would have been like an avant-garde artist, you know, like a painter or something, or or he would have been a movie director. And the fact that now you make this kind of movie where the main character is a chef, like that's sort of the height of pop culture celebrity, would it, you know, it does say something about where food or the restaurant business is in the culture now, mm-hmm. where it is sort of like akin to what a uh, Andy Warhol would have been or, mm. you know, a, an artist would have been in the 80s.
0: Yeah, I think we're at like the ap- apotheosis of the celebrity chef, and it feels like something's about to mm. to change there. It feels like it's interesting that this movie, yeah, I mean, it's a kind of classic schedule it's like the art is being made about this as the fall has started to to start i think like we're i think we're sort of past that moment but it's capturing the the apex of the celebrity chef and the chef as as cult leader for sure yeah
1: i mean art and life are are merging and with the headlines of noma closing which i want to close our conversation with a little bit but i have to ask you hannah again spoiler but they all die at the end they all die they're 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 turned into smores can you do they deserve to die
0: uh no I mean no one deserves to die um you know other than hitler um but uh i i do i do feel like that like that's the joke and so yes, I was like they had they all had to die they had yeah. to die for the movie to to fulfill its uh its premise um i mean i do it, it they all they were all imperfect <laughs> um, yeah. in in their ways yeah. and they all had totally skewed um, priorities I would say does anyone deserve to die for that? no but they were yeah. they they were deserving of some kind of punishment
1: they, they deserve punishment because they all represented a type of diner in restaurants that I feel and many agree is just the downfall of restaurant yeah. culture yeah you know the entitled critic the celebrity who uh, doesn't want to pay the food Foodie 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, like the next foodie who just is insufferable. Right. There's so many layers there. Yeah,
0: and it's all like – it's all sort of beside the point in in my opinion. You know, it's like losing sight of – what food is and and it's all about something else status and this kind of rarefied experience and money you know and that's and yeah so
2: can i ask you about a theory about the ending yes yeah so my my sister posed this to me after she watched on hbo and then texted this to me and again spoilers for anyone listening do you think anya taylor joy dies at the end on the boat because this is my sister's theory that she firmly believes in the beginning of the movie, uh, the uh, sous chef or uh, Ray finds you know top assistant mentions that, oh that beef, if you take it out one day early or whatever, it becomes poisonous. Mm. Like she makes a point mm. of mentioning that. So my sister's theory, which is backed up by several Reddit threads is that he gave her a poisoned meat hamburger because everyone has to die.
0: Well, that's funny because my esteemed colleague and um, Mm -hmm. former, uh, not former, but many-time Taste podcast guest, Helen Mm -hmm. Rosner, her one complaint about the movie she told me just yesterday was that she felt like the hamburger should have been poisoned and that we should have seen her die. So. I don't know if she read those theories or not, if she just she just came to that conclusion yeah. on her own. But I think that would have been a much better ending.
1: I think an off-camera death film. is cool yeah. to theorize, to throw a little carrot in there. Yeah, I like that. Easter egg. Yeah. Um I thought she was she she was well cast. I liked it. I liked her role. Yeah,
0: but I totally thought she should have died. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 I agree. <laughs>
0: I also thought I also wanted to know what happened to Nicholas Holt's character. I thought that I thought there should have been some cannibalism in the movie. I thought I yeah. I, I kept thinking that maybe like they were gonna be forced to eat him. In some yeah, way, which... Was... his
1: death was a little, like, lukewarm, yeah. you know. Yeah, It's got flaws. Yeah. I mean, the film's yeah, got yeah. flaws, but, yeah. it, but it's, it's a real pleasure. It's on HBO Max. Thanks, Pat, for joining. I appreciate oh, it.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Now I'll go back to just continue to listen,
1: listen to the soundboard. <laughs> no, but I wanted to, to close our conversation, Hannah, Yeah, about Noma, because, uh, you know, all joking aside, uh, it's a complicated story. Yeah. And I feel like... I don't want to litigate the coverage. I don't want to talk about like why the Times got the exclusive and no one else yeah. has been able to get a quote from Renee. I've requested like four times to talk to him over the past year, and and I've interviewed him three times, and I like him. Hmm. Uh, I like him enough, and I've spoken at MAD. But have you requested an interview from him?
0: I haven't. Um, I mean, it's obviously like it could be my my beat, but um, but I don't feel really like remain. it is not yeah. not right now, at least. Um, I mean. Yeah, it's not what I'm interested in.
1: <laughs> I just I right wonder now. about uh, first off the closing of it is is kind of a non closing because yeah. he's obviously gonna operate pop ups forever and, and still cook for yeah. people. Um it's kind of a nothing burger story, the closing to be honest. Yeah. But the response has been so interesting. I
0: know. I, I know. and I, I mean, it all ties into the, the menu, <laughs> <laughs> weird, I think, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's just this this obsession, this cult of personality, which is why it doesn't interest me that much, because I don't think I mean, of course, it's about the food, too. And I haven't I haven't been to Noma. I'm sure. I'm sure it's incredible. I'm sure the food is is fantastic, but it's not it's not a kind of eating that I'm particularly interested in. It's not the top of my mm-hmm. of my interests in terms of food. I'm I'm much more interested in um in like daily eating and the yeah. and the great, like the incredible pleasures of of daily eating. In New York, which is like in New York, tables yeah. for two, that's like the thing. Yeah, whole that's vibe. what I'm going that's... for. And sometimes I write about fancy restaurants and that's yeah. part of it too. But but yeah, this idea of some kind of untouchable, holy experience of fine dining. You know that goes even beyond. Like fine dining doesn't even feel like the right term because no. it's sort of like It's
2: performative that. It's dining. So yeah, and it yeah.
0: just—I don't know. It's like in in the menu, he's saying this isn't. What does he say? He's like, this isn't eating. Hmm. It's um, it's tasting. What does he say? There's like he makes this big distinction between. Do you remember? Ways. Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't, I don't remember the quote, but I, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. I think that when eating is is only part of the of the restaurant experience, you're hitting onto something that I think is is really coursing through everyone's body with the the note uh, the the news of the closing of Noma.
0: Yeah, um, yeah,
1: and that this this level of 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 being more than just food.
0: Yeah, it's so there's so much pressure to it, and it's like, I I, I don't think that food is not art. I think food can be art i think cooking is art i think chefs can be artists and i do think there's like different there are different kind of categories and ways to think about it um but it is all food yeah it's all food (laughs) and it is all eating and and it just doesn't have to Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i don't think it has to be either or
1: you hinted at something about 10 minutes ago how we're maybe at a tipping point we're maybe at a point where of no return with this stuff so what do you think in 10 years where where are we going to be as it, as food writers, you and I, like, who are we going to be writing about? I mean, is it is it are we kind of done with this Michelin three star fetish?
0: I don't know. I mean, I I think it'll always exist. I think the coverage of it very well may change and is already changing, but I think there are going to be people with a lot of money who mm-hmm. want these experiences that feel like they're only for people with a lot of money. Um, so. I don't think that stuff is going to go away. But I do think there's already been a shift in in coverage. I think people yeah. are like kind of leveling the playing field. And, you know, it's you can see it as the times is a perfect example and that and this has been talked about a lot. I think how Pete Wells gave, you know, the like a puerto rican food truck mm-hmm. in the bronx three stars and that's more stars than he's given to lots of sort of white tablecloth yeah manhattan places so it's already i mean and that's a big deal he's he's setting yeah the tone um and so in 10 years i think we're gonna i don't think we'll ever yeah i don't think we'll ever swing back to what things were i don't think i don't i also don't think that that idea, the Michelin. I don't think people are gonna stop caring about Michelin stars entirely. I don't think we're gonna lose tasting menus. As or- long
1: as there's expense accounts and and deals to close yeah. and celebrations to be had. Yes. We'll have those Yes, restaurants, which is exactly. great. You and I are not suggesting that these need to go away. No. Um it's just about the emphasis and world's fifty best. super complicated and troubling yeah. list of restaurants always. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll lose a little power.
0: Yes, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um one more question. What do you What are you looking for? Like, what, what, do you have like a, a list of places that you want to write about that you're like looking for, or a cuisine that you're looking for, or if uh, you have a hankering for blank? I mean, New York has a lot to offer, but it doesn't have everything. Is there something that you're seeking?
0: You mean when when I'm when I'm writing, or like just sort of. What do I? What am I? What do what I feel like is missing from? It's,
1: well, I guess they kind of intertwine with you. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess yeah, coverage is different than you as a human, right? Um, let's talk about, it, I guess, then from from a journalistic point of view, what would you love to write about?
0: I don't know if this is exactly what you mean, but like, I'm determined. to Do better coverage of Staten Island. Yeah,
1: that's exactly (laughs) Um, what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's it's hard if you're not like on the ground, and it's hard to get to Staten Island and walk around looking for stuff. But, but I do feel like, like just like the outer boroughs are hard to cover. But I wanna. Mm -hmm. I really am committed to doing that as best I can because there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. But it's you just have to put the time in to uncover it. I mean, Queens is like, Mm -hmm. like I feel like I. As I said, I went to Queens three times in in one weekend. I'm barely touching the surface. There are yeah. so many just, like, thriving little micro communities. Yeah,
1: Jacksonites, Ozone Park. I mean, there's yeah, so many like, great spots. Just,
0: yeah, and, like, getting into Long Island, you know, and, like, especially because, you know, like, yeah. historically, groups of immigrants keep kind of moving further and further out. So, like, Long Island, New Jersey, it's like you have these amazing yeah. pockets of people from, other countries making yeah. the food of of their homes and and just building this amazing landscape of, yeah. of restaurants. So I want to continue and and delve deeper. Driving
1: outward. Into that. Driving yeah. out yeah. to yeah. Long Island. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah.
1: Hannah, we asked our guests on today's podcast, if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time, meaning you have no deadline, or the burden of budget, meaning you have all the money in the world. You've taken this question once. You're taking it again. What would that book be?
0: <laughs> I don't think you were asking this question the last time I was. I was on the podcast. I don't remember answering it. I also, I, I love this question, but I always find it so funny because I have such like journalist mind. I'm like, I'm not giving away my ideas on a podcast. <laughs> You're not the
1: first journalist to actually be like, yeah, I'm not going to give out my like, good ideas. Well, because
0: okay, so I do have an idea. Uh, Let's go there. And I'm no, but I'm not going to share it because oh, okay. I really do want to try to work it into an actual proposal. Okay. Um. But but when you said so, yeah, that's like I'm not. We'll I'm, go off mic. I'm so paranoid that someone will. Yeah, I'll tell yeah, you about yeah, it off mic. Yeah. Um. But but when you said um when you said without the burden of money, then I'm like, oh, that's like time is one thing, but money yeah is another. Um. So something like travel based. I don't know. I guess I would like just travel around the world and yeah. and write about it as simple as that you're just not, just giving, like... me your, you're not giving
1: me your a answer you're not giving me your a answer and i respect it I we've gone I long can't. we've gone long in this interview i'm gonna let you take a pass okay we're gonna turn off the mic you're gonna tell me
0: okay and then
1: we're gonna see that book on a shelf in yeah. like two to three years yeah, exactly and then we'll have you back to talk about that book
0: excellent i love it <laughs>
1: hannah goldfield thank you for joining the taste podcast thank you